Awesome, thank you. Well, good evening, everybody. Hadassah, well done. That was really great worship. Um, and you know that, that new song? I just want to make comment um, about that. Can I just pull this back? Um, on my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. You know, um, the Bible actually says to do all things without grumbling and complaining. That's actually a command. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. The Bible also says, I have commanded you to be strong and brave. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Some days that's really hard. It's easy to complain. It's hot. Complain about your job, your church, your family. And you know what? That's a good song to get in your head because even on our very worst day, we're still a child of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, no thing. Let's get that song in our spirit so that when you're having your worst day, when you're having your worst week, when you're having your worst year, I'm so blessed because no matter what happens, I'm a child of God. Amen. Um, we are in for a rip snorter of a night. But before we do, um, if, if you haven't, been around or you're new online, we've been talking about God's recipe for breakthrough or for if we want to heal our land. What, what's God's recipe? Not the Graham and Amanda one or what's happening anywhere else. What does God say? And, and we've been doing that. And I want to just endorse something that Graham said um, last week. It was Valentine's Day through the week. And admittedly, I was away on school camp. So that's okay. But I'm going to share a, a bit of our love story with you that sets you up for, this is no fad that Graham and I are chasing when we say we want revival for Australia. This is something that we have been living our life towards. Okay, so you heard last week that Graham said when he was 17, he got this direct call from God that he would bring revival to Australia. God would do that through Graham. And in the detailed version that we've still got in a scrapbook, it's got about him being married. Well, that was great when you're 17. 11 years later and he's 28, still not married. <laughs> you know, the bigger the vision, the, the weightier it is, the more work God's got to do in you, yeah? And one day at church, this little nine-year-old girl came up to Graham and said, Graham, it's about time you had a wife. How many 28 single-year-old men need to hear that from a nine-year-old girl? And Graham's like, thank you, Danielle. And she says, well, what sort do you want? I'm going to ask God for one for you. And Graham's like, I don't really care as long as she's a Christian and this is probably a bit awkward for me. And she said, no, I've got to know what she, you want her to look like. And Graham's like, I don't know. Long brown curly hair and glasses. So every day, Danielle prayed for this girl, for Graham. And every Sunday, she would remind him, I'm still praying. And he'd say, thank you, Danielle. And he said, actually, one day, he said, you know, if this girl actually eventuates and we get married, I'm going to name my first daughter after, after you because you prayed. And that's how Danielle Nicole got her name. Spoiler alert. Anyway, six weeks later, I rock up, get transferred to Mackay. I had the biggest, you know, the big glasses you had in the 90s? And they were like this big. Anyways, Danielle's, Graham said he nearly had to reef Danielle's shoulder out of her socket because she was going to run and say, guess what, you're going to marry him. And I hadn't even walked into the church yet. And he's like, come back. 
problem was I had a boyfriend and then we had a messy breakup and I was heartbroken. So Graham had to actively pursue me for 18 months. Now, I don't know if you know what that's like, but that's tough when you're pushing 30. And eventually, after 18 months of hot pursuit and a lot of persistence and patience, I said, yes, I'll go out on a date with you. That was a Thursday on the Sunday. You would think Graham would be smitten. He's got this love of his life. He's nearly 30. Let's just get married and get on with it. But he said, he said to me, you know what? I'm not dating except for with a view to marriage. And if you marry me, you're marrying this call on my life to bring revival to Australia. If you're not in, go now. And so way back then, we have both... We have both done every filter of our life, every decision we've made has been through that, that um, vision, that lens. And you know, Graham and Ian have faithfully prayed for decades. Every week we're in town and, and neither of them are sick or whatever, they're praying for revival for our nation. This thing has been birthed in decades of prayer. It's not a fad. Yes, it's happening overseas. I get that and that's great and it's exciting. This is a calling for us. And it can't be just Graham and Amanda, it's gotta be us. You're gonna hear me say tonight, it can't be a moment, it must be a movement. Because you know what? We got this big awakening over the holidays and we've come all fired up and we're all different and it's great. I came back here that first Sunday and I was heartbroken. The disease, the infirmity, the heartbreak that's in here. And I went back into my prayer room and I agonised with God. I agonised. I said, Graham, we've actually, all our vehicles are written off. We've got enough money in the bank. Let's go to the revival and let's take whoever's unwell that we can afford to take over there. And you know what? If we did that, we'd all get healed. Britta get healed and whoever we could take would get healed. And this many people would get healed. It would be a moment, not a movement. Or we could say, let's bring one of the revivalists here. And they would come. So say T Pastor Todd, for example, he's emptied himself of everything but God and God's presence is so thick around him that you can't help but be healed when you're in the presence of someone who's done that. But you know what? If he came and you and I aren't hosting the presence of God ourselves and corporately, it would be a moment not a movement, because as soon as he'd go, we'd see a lot of people healed while he was here. But you know what? In his church today, they've had five years of revival today. Five years of healings every single week. I want to host a revival. And do you know what? We're, yeah, come on. We've got, to get, we've got to get fire in our belly. You know, when we were in Longreach, we lived next door to Sir James Walker. He hosted the Queen way back in the old days. That's why he got knighted. But before she could come into his house, you can't just say, yeah, take us as we are. Her staff gave him a list of these are the requirements that Her Majesty needs if she's going to stay with you. And he had to commit to that. God has given us clear instructions of if I'm going to live here, like God's here, but is he peeping behind the curtain or has he got centre stage? Ooh. And you know what? God's given us this criteria. And what we've done is we've spent a week seeking his face. Then we had a week of repentance. 
Then we had a week of being humble and getting rid of our pride. Now it's time to power up. Are you ready to power up? If we go to the first slide, I call my, Hamil- my Hamilton, my sermon tonight, I'm not throwing away my shot because it's a Hamilton song. And what it refers to is Hamilton was in the days of flintlock pistols where you had one bullet, one bullet. And you know, if you're in a duel and you go to shoot, you can either throw away your shot and get dead or shoot your opponent and come out victorious. And he wasn't going to throw away his shot. The shot is a metaphor for an opportunity. Church, are we get it? We are. The time is now. Like James said, the environment is now. God is moving. Are we ready to use our shot, or are we going to throw it away? We've got to do it God's way. I'm going to start by touch. If we go to the next slide, thanks, Britt. Um, this is Charles Spurgeon. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. And in 1861, he was given a struggling church. They couldn't even afford to give him a way, like a complete wage. And the wages in those days for 60 hours a week were 10 bucks a week. In three months, his church grew and he built the Metropolitan Tabernacle, which back then in the 1860s cost him $3.6 million of which he personally contributed 1.3 million off a wage that is not a complete wage because he wanted it, he was hungry for it. Now what, if you look at that tabernacle, because that's gonna be a pretty impressive building, right? If we go to the next slide, um, this is it. It could seat 5,000 people and the acoustics were that you didn't even need amplification. I've just this week been on a tour through QPAC, went through all the theatres and loved it. Went on the set of Hamilton and Six and backstage and saw the costumes and the glitter guns. It was so exciting. And then the tour guide says, I'm taking you backstage to where the semi-trailers come to the loading bay. And I'm like, you what? I'm not really interested in that. I want to see the stars and the glitz and the glamour. Well, in this tabernacle, some ministers said to Charles Spurgeon, would you take us for a tour? We want to see. He said, sure. And he's taken them for a tour. He says, I want to show you my boiler room. Now, in those days, to get power, they needed a boiler room, which was hot and sweaty. And if it was sweaty, it was probably smelly. It was hard work. And they respectfully declined. We know what a boiler room is. We don't want to see it. He said, no, you will see it. You know what it was? 100 people praying. Because that's where the power is. If we go to the next slide... Thanks. I bought these photos off the internet, paid for them. They are boiler room shots from the 1860s. That looks like hot, sweaty, smelly, hard work. That was what he called his prayer room and that was the secret of his success. Do you know what the more common word for boiler room is? Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Let that sink in. First in the natural and then in the spiritual, a powerhouse. This is where we fire up. This is where we energise the move. This is where God can activate people because we are a powerhouse. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to throw away my shot. We get a chance. We get one shot. I'm not going to throw it away and I hope you aren't either. We have got to make not a moment, but a movement. 
And that takes more than me and Graham and Ian. We've been praying for this for decades, but come on, you guys are in the here and now. This is our shot. This is our shot. If we go to the next slide, thanks. There's 40 scriptures or more in the Bible that says God's house will be a house of prayer. In Isaiah, the command is there, for my house should be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And then what about that time Jesus got cranky bum in the temple and they were using it for a marketplace to rip people off for the offerings and he said, you've turned my house into a den of thieves. I want it to be a house of prayer. I want it to be a house of prayer. I want it to be a house of prayer. This is Jesus' words. It's not Amanda. It's not Graham. Are we ready to be a powerhouse? Are we ready to power up? All right, if we go to the next slide, thanks. Oh, hang on, go back, go back, go back. I am going to um, show you some quotes. Now, this is not to condemn anyone, but my prayer is that your hearts will receive what these quotes say and take them home. I'm going to put them on the Facebook page through the week, chew them over. I'm praying, Lord, that you um, take this information and you use this to be a movement, to be a mighty army. So would you power the powerhouse up in Jesus' name? The first quote, this is a fact, if we go to the next slide. There's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in United Prayer. Fact. In fact, in the, you've heard me talk about the Tower of Babel and how God said, if those heathens are doing this and they're united, nothing's going to be impossible for them. We're Christians. What's going to happen if we unite in prayer? There's a commanded blessing. It's a commanded blessing. And you know what? There's this, the, the, I'm not throwing away my shot in Hamilton. Hamilton, um, read the story for yourself. I'm not going to tell you the whole lot, but he's pretty inspirational. He was orphaned and his island was destroyed by a hurricane, but his penmanship landed him in America and he, he, he was gung-ho. I'm not throwing away my shot. I want to live for something bigger than me. This movement is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than us. But I'm not throwing away my shot. And he goes into the pub and there's all the future founding fathers of America and they all want freedom from the oppressive monarchy. But, and they all sing their own rap song, but they've all got their own agenda. They've all got their own agenda. Same goal, different agenda. And Hamilton says, boys, unless you get together, unless you unite, it's not gonna work. And I said, Tag, you're it, you're our leader. He wasn't gonna throw away his shot. And he said, if I'm your leader, I'm not throwing away my shot. Not thrown away this opportunity. Next slide, thanks. What do Satanists fear? The one concern of the devil is keeping Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Next slide. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. The disciples saw Jesus resurrect, heal, provide for, deliver. They never said, how do you do any of that? They said, teach us to pray. You know why? Because Jesus, 
who was God incarnate, the Word made flesh, needed to go and pray to make all of that happen. And when he did, he came back different. He came back powered up. They wanted to know what this secret was, not how to do all that magic, not how to do that. They wanted to know how to pray. Do you know what? Paul doesn't say worship without ceasing. He doesn't say study without ceasing. He doesn't say preach and teach without ceasing. He says pray without ceasing. I wonder why. Let's go to the next slide. Thanks. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offences, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. And the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It's dynamic and can have tremendous power. Next slide. For God to have showed up, the church must have prayed the price. I've heard so many churches talk about paying for stuff, fancy lights, fancy systems, fancy paint on the outside. It's time we started praying the price. Next slide, thanks. <laughs> this one's a bit cheeky. If your church says they want revival, check out their midweek prayer meeting. Someone may be lying. I'll read that one again. If your church says they want revival, check out their midweek prayer week meeting. Someone may be lying. And the next slide, thanks. Bef oh. <laughs> Before we launch a prayer to get a campaign to get prayer reinstated in public schools, Let's do a campaign to get prayer back in churches. Do you know, um, we, can't, we are the Christians in this world. We can't expect the world to want to pray if they see the impotency of the church. If we had a prayer meeting and revival was breaking out, then the council would come to us and say, can, we, can you guys come and pray for us? Because there's power in it. We've got to get it here before we get it there. We are the ones that set the climate spiritually, not the world. We are the ones. We are the thermostats, not the thermometers. And the next one, poverty stricken as the church is today in many things. She is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organisers, but few agonisers. We have many players but few prayers. We have many singers, but few clingers. We have many pastors, but few wrestlers. We have many fears, but few tears. We have much fashion, I don't know about me, but anyway, but little passion. We have many interferers, but few intercessors. We have many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Next slide, thanks. So, that's just to get you ready to receive. I'm hoping that you're starting to get a bit of fire in your belly. History has its eyes on us. We are poised, the climate is right. We need to make this moment into a movement. It just starts by doing it God's way. It's actually not tricky. So some things we need to learn to do, and this is James's uh, communion talk is the very first one, is we have to die well, have to die well. We've talked about repenting 
and humility. And I've got to tell you, every day I've been um, confessing to God. And you know, the more and more I do that, the more I understand how insidious pride is. Like, my competitive spirit is pride. That's rot. I don't need to be competitive. That's silliness. Um, Even things like, (laughs) oh, I wouldn't wear what she's wearing. In your head, I don't ever say it. It's like, oh, come on. We had a a concert at youth group. What what about those thoughts that go through your head when you walk on stage, when someone walks on stage and you're like, oh, this is not going to be good. That's pride. We've got to get rid of that. It's not coming into this next season. You know what else? That's the bad stuff. But do you know there's some good stuff that can't come into this next season? It's a new wine. We need a new wineskin. Some of what was good over here and even fruitful over here, we have to die to. Do you know what? Graham and I have not had a green light for missions. The trouble with us and ministry as Christians is we wrap our identity around it and we get used to it and we don't want to change and we, we rationalise why we want to do it. But what if God says, do it the new way? So God says, Graham and Amanda, I haven't given you a green light for mission. We've got parents saying to us, emailing us, can my kids come? We're like, we don't know what we're doing. I will not move unless God says... And, and then, um, and I can't say what, but then we get a phone call this week that maybe that's why. Maybe there's a whole lot better stuff going to happen in June, July. And mission is nothing. It was good for that season. Good for that season. It was fruitful. Saw lots of kids saved. Some of them are here. But this is a new wine that needs a new wineskin. We have to die well daily on our altar. Next slide, thanks. So die well. The next one is God is limited. This is actually John Wesley's teaching and he brings out that in Psalm 115, the heavens are the Lord's, but he gave the earth to man. Adam was given dominion of the earth. Lucifer only got dominion because of Adam gave him the legal authority. Jesus gives us that authority back, but we can only do it through prayer. God can only work through our prayers. He is limited. We've got to pray. Next slide. We have to die well. The bad stuff and the good stuff. We are, and with the dying, the other thing, Graham and I for 20 years have been praying for revival and it's not actually revival. It's just seeking God's presence. Like we were seeking the thing. We were seeking in some ways the numbers that people would come in and the healings and the signs and the wonders. It's not that. It's actually having God's presence in your life. There's a difference. And we had to die to that. We actually had to die and say, you know, we use that word for simplicity. But it's not. It's seeking God's face. Your voice matters. Um, The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was the prayer meeting that fetched the angel. Wowzers. What would have happened if the Christians weren't together praying? What would have happened? The angels would be around the campfire up in heaven twiddling their thumbs. Peter would still be back in prison. How many people in our city are in prison because we haven't prayed and sent angels to release them? You know what? There's seven billion people plus on this planet and I sometimes think, 
does my voice matter? Am I big enough for God to do this? And I love Pastor Todd, who's coaching Graham and I through this. He says, it's a faceless, nameless revival. That's why we need a movement, because it's not about me and Graham. It's about you and you and you giving yourself to the presence of God so that everywhere you go, you carry that that anointing, that power, that presence that will set people free. Your voice matters. We need you. It's got to be a movement, not a moment. Next slide, thanks. We've got to die well. The good and the bad to have the new wineskin. God is limited and your voice matters. I love the songs that Hadassah chose, the I raise a hallelujah. Prayer is a bloody battlefield. Do you know what? Christ was in agony in prayer. Just think about that. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the word became flesh, was in agony in prayer. When was the last time you were in agony in prayer? We had LAC on Friday night. We were in agony for three women. We were in agony for prayer. You know what? Um, Hamilton, he says that King gets word. New, um, America wants their independence. King's not happy. So what does he do? He sends the largest contingency of naval fleets into New York Harbour, 400 boats, 32,000 troops uh, around Staten Island. They had cannons. Hamilton and his crew had flintlock pistols with one shot. What are you going to do when there's 32,000 troops with cannons staring at you? Washington got all scared and whatever. I know about you. Do you feel like there's 32,000 demons in our city bringing suicide and death and depression and anxiety and homelessness and helplessness and victim mentalities and whinging and all the rest? They're staring at us. But do you know what? You know what Hamilton did? (laughs) He got together a band of half-crazy guys. Again, they were united. They had to be. It was a bloody battleground. What they did at 11 o'clock at night, was snuck onto those 400 ships and stole their cannons. Stole their weapons. Of the 24 cannons that they hooked off with, 21 made it to shore and we used against them. You know what? We have a Jesus. Our Jesus went into the enemy's camp and took the keys and he said, here you go, church, use them. There might be 32,000 demons out there. It doesn't matter. Start firing. Don't throw away your shot. Let's make this a movement, not a moment. It's going to be bloody. It's going to, you know, people are saying, oh, we're going to be persecuted. So what? On our worst day, we're a child of God. Bring it. I don't care what happens. We are the winners. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. The devil will try to stop you from praying because prayer stops him. All right, next slide, thanks. Let's die well. Let's sacrifice the good that can no longer come into this season. Let's get rid of pride and sin. God is limited. We have to pray. Prayer is going to be a bloody battleground. Keep praying and don't lose heart. This verse revolutionised my prayer life. And I put 
a photo down here, but I've actually got some pots here to show you, some vases. In Revelation, when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb or Christ, each one holding a harp and golden bowls. Okay, they're not gold, but we can imagine. Full of fragrant incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let us not grow weary in becoming discouraged or doing good, for in the proper time you will reap if you don't give in. Do you know what? All my needs are in a bowl. And every time I pray, I'm putting a deposit in that bowl. And if I don't grow weary, at the proper time, when that bowl's full, we'll see it manifest. That's why Jesus said, don't give up, don't lose heart. Do you know what? The bowls are obviously all different sizes. I'm going to use my own daughter as an example. When we got told by a paediatric neurologist, your daughter has the worst case of Tourette's I've ever seen and we have to overdose her on Prozac to get her through primary school. One prayer, one prayer, and she was instantly delivered. That bowl would be this big. We prayed, it went into a deposit, and at the proper time, which was instant, she was delivered from that. We thought when she was diagnosed with other things that maybe I'm praying, I'm praying, maybe the bowl is this big. <clears throat> no, I think it's this big. But you know what? I'm keeping depositing those prayers in that bowl because at the proper time we are going to reap a reward if we don't give up. I've actually got bowl. Well, we're going to talk about you guys making your own boiler room or space. We're going to make one here, but we're going to, I'm going to encourage you to get fired up because this is my symbol that sometimes you're praying for something and it just doesn't happen. It might be a big fat bowl. Every time you pray, you're depositing into that bowl and at the proper time, I don't know the time. I don't know what labels on, you know, I'm praying for different people's salvation. I had a surprise chat this week and maybe someone's bowl is this big and someone bowls that big, I don't know. But don't give up, don't lose heart. And that's why corporate prayer is good because we put so much more in the bowls. So many more people. All right, next one. Thanks. So, oh, hang on, just go back for a second, sorry. The five things before we pray is we've got to die well to the bad things and even some of the good things to get the new wine and the new wine skin. God's limited. We have to pray. We have to take dominion over this nation that he's given us. Your voice matters. Your voice matters. It's going to be a bloody battleground, but Jesus has conquered death. Darcy sang that song with her dasa that, that um, death is gone. It's been conquered. And keep praying and don't lose heart. The next lot of slides I'm going through really quickly. I would hope that you can research them yourself at home. Um, but it's just different lanes of prayer. It's called the five lanes of prayer. It's not my teaching, but it's really useful. So if we go to the next slide, the first one, it's all based on Philippians 4 passage. And all the fancy words are there. This one is just talking to God often. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said he doesn't go 20 minutes without talking to God. And I've been trying to do that. And I obviously can't tell you the details, but in one of my schools this week, there was such a difference 
through my life, through doing this, that the principal had to come and observe. What the heck is going on? Why does the chappie have that result no one else in the school does? Maybe I'm starting to ooze the presence of God. I don't know. Um, but it's just talking on a regular basis. Next slide, thank you, is supplication, which just means when you have a need or a lack and you're pleading strongly, it actually means to beg. If we go to the next slide, we're not begging because God doesn't want to give us stuff. We're begging because we're human. You know, Jesus, when Lazarus died, when it says Jesus wept, that means he let out a righteous snort. We're human. Next slide, th- next slide, thank you, is thanksgiving and adoration. Sometimes we just got to be thankful, put worship music on and, and be thankful. And if you're having a bad day and you've got nothing to be thankful for, if you go to the next slide, thanks, rather than thinking about your worries and your woes, meditate on miracles, provision in the Bible, blessings, wonders and God's mighty deeds. There's plenty in the Bible. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. Lane four, next slide, thank you, is present your request. And a request in this sense is I demand it. It's my right. It's rightfully mine. I, I have a right to, to um, certain things at work. I have a right to my room. It's rightfully mine. But you've got to do it with respect and honour because God is God. Yeah? Um, next slide, thank you, um, is, yeah, just being respectful to God. The next slide is this, this word isn't actually in the Philippians 4 passage, but intercession is a big thing. And it's when you get that pain in your spirit to pray for someone or something. It's often praying in tongues. If you can't pray in tongues, it's so important and we will release that tonight. Um, next slide. Um, praying. You know what? I'm just going to say this. I'm happy for you to complain to me about anything government-wise, but before you do, tell me how you've been interceding for the government first. Tell me how many hours you've been praying for them first. Because the enemy is the enemy. It's not people. We have to shoot at the 32,000 demons, not at people. So we've got to intercede for people, nations, governments, accidents, whatever. If we go to the next slide, thanks. There's other types of prayer. There's warfare, confession, lament, petitioning and blessing. All important. You can look at them later. Next slide, thanks. So, history has its eyes on us. History has its eyes on us. Um, I think someone's trying to get in if someone wants to let them in. Um, And we can't throw away our shot. I don't know about you. Do you want to throw away your shot? I don't want to throw away this opportunity that we have. Revival's happening in the world. There's two places potentially revival can happen in Australia. And do you know what one of them is? Right here. Right here. We are on this journey. The train is on the train tracks. But it's got to be a movement, not a moment. So if we go to the next slide... We came home and we decided to make a boiler room in our own home. Now, not everyone can take over a bedroom like we have, but I would encourage you to get fired up and have a space. And if it's just a chair in the garden or a chair over there or a beanbag in the corner, put everything in a bag. 
okay? So what my boiler room looks like, and we have spent so much time, our boiler room, <laughs> um, as I walk in, there's this verse from Psalm 27 where God says, come and talk with me, and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. So you might want to put verses up in your boiler room. Our, our boiler room is a clean space. It doesn't get cluttered because my brain can't deal with clutter. Comfy chair, I've got candles in it because the light, you know, it just represents the light of God. We, um, got pens on the table ready to put in the journals. We've got, um, if we go to the next slide, thanks. Um, have a look at this. We've got prophetic artwork. I just want to touch on some of this. This gives you an idea what we've been looking for. And it's interesting because Pastor Todd had a vision of water and fire coming out of the water. This is a prophetic artwork that Brittany got done for Graham. It's all, a lot of the famous revivals in the pencil and the river and the Holy Spirit. This is Wharf Street. The Holy Spirit coming out of Maryborough. And you know when it happens? When the cross goes in the centre of Australia. And do you know when that happens? Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Graham had that prophetic word before it even got built. Seven weeks. <laughs> That's where it's going up, Hass Bluff. Ian painted that painting. The two paintings either side he copied off when we went to Hass Bluff, two little Aboriginal children painted either side of, of the mountain for us. So that's a treasured painting. Leanne, if you're watching, your white horse coming to the centre of Australia is on our wall and so is some more prophetic artwork from Ian. We've got pens, anointing oil, we've got music. I love playing Peter Shirley still because it's, not, it's instrumental and it's not lyric so my brain doesn't click into instrumental mode. If we go to the next slide, we've got all our revival books, our Bibles and our prayer journals. And Graham read in some book that someone wrote a big circle in chalk on the floor and says, revival starts with me. So we get in that circle and we pray. So if we go to the next slide, thanks. Making a powerhouse in your own life is not hard. And you know what? God is happy with every little effort you make. God is happy with if you just start little. Right now, I, I would never have thought... I would have prayed as much as I am now. And do you know what? I'm going to show you. Obviously, I can't. Um, since we started, um, which is um, here, these are actual miracles. Like, I'm not joking. These are actual miracles. So that was week one. Check out week two. We saw a healing in a shopping centre that blew us away. And we're like, the lady's like, oh, I'm going to have to tell my doctor at 11 o'clock I got healed in Station Square. And we're like, did we seriously just do that? And then it just goes on more. Like, but I will say the brown bit started, the brown bit started here. And the brown bits, I don't want to say the enemy, but weird weird things like car accidents and things and then this week they got really really big lots of them 
lots that week and then we took hold of it and then so far we've had a good week this week. It's a battlefield. It's a battlefield. So, um, oh, Graham, do you want to get the kids or send someone out to get the kids? I don't know about you. Online or on the family page, I will do it. Or if you don't have social media, I will email you the prayers that I have taken out of books. And they are prayers that I pray every day. And they'll change your life. They'll change your life. But what we've got to do is commit. And it's not going to be easy. So we can't do this without God. So I'm going to ask Jess to come up. And what we're going to do, Graham and I, you know, if we can't lead the way, something's wrong, right? (laughs) It's got to start with us. We can't tell you, you've got to pray and we not do it. Do you know what? I was really gobsmacked. It was an aha moment. I think it was in Pastor Todd's book where he said, you know, we all rock up at church, but if we put more prayer into church, then maybe God would turn up. So ever since we've come back, and I'm not saying this to boast, I'm telling you, I've fasted all day Saturday. We'll talk about fasting next week, but absolutely for the service, asking God to turn up. Because we can't concoct it. We can't concoct it. God is real. He doesn't want fancy smancy. He just wants us as we are, but prepared to die to everything that's not of Him. And you know what? Graham and I came last night and we spent a few hours in prayer. Prayed over all your seats. We prayed over all of you. We prayed that God would show up tonight. Do you know that's how revival starts? When God shows up. And I've asked the kids to come back in because I don't want anyone to miss out. The Asbury Revival is kids. And do you know what? The funny thing is this... um, interview I heard, you know, all the celebrity Christians are wanting a piece of it. And it's like, just let the God do what He does with the kids. It's not about how talented you are or whatever. It's how you connect with God and you do that through prayer. I can't do this and Graham can't. We've got to have a movement. So what I'm going to ask you to do, Graham and I came and we prayed last night and we anointed each each other for prayer. We anointed that God would empower us to be a powerhouse for Him, that His presence would fill us. And tonight I'm going to invite you to come to the front and say, I want to be a part of the movement. And Graham's going to, with the same oil that we used last night, He's going to anoint everyone who comes forward, kids and all. There's no junior Holy Spirit. And and we're going to pray. And if prayer's a struggle for you, we're going to release an anointing for prayer because this is only going to happen through prayer. It's time that we reclaim the powerhouse as a powerhouse. First the spiritual, first the natural, now the spiritual. It's time we went home and made our own powerhouses. It's time we didn't just listen to to music and say, that's my prayer time. It's time we dug in 
dug in and fought for our city. Yeah, there might be 32,000 demons, but we've got Jesus. He's got the keys to the kingdom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to come forward. And while Graham's anointing, I'm going to pray two prayers out of the book that, that I'll give you. And then we're going to pray for everyone. And we're going to say, Lord, we want to be a movement. Not, not just this moment. We want to be a movement. We're united. We're putting aside our agendas. We want to do it your way. We want the new wine, the new wine skin. So right now, come forward. Come forward if you want to join the movement. If you want to be part of revival, you know what? You guys need to be healing people, not just me, not just Graham. I'm going to pray these prayers. The first one is thanking God for what He's doing in us. It says, Lord, oh, and if you're online, if you're online, put your name in and we'll bless you. We'll bless the camera. If you want to kneel, stand, sing, whatever. I'm going to say, Lord, we bless what you do. We love what you do. We bless it that it can increase, Lord. Keep doing this, Lord. We love what you do. We bless your activity here. We welcome it, even if it appears bizarre. God, we want you to be God. And even if there are some things that make us, a sophisticated people, feel uncomfortable as we think of ourselves, we don't want to limit you, God. You can do whatever you like, even if it offends us. You do what you want to do, God, in the way you want to do it, and we'll bless you. And just while we're anointing people, I'll pray the five things I've been praying over all of us over the last month. Number one, Father God, forgive our drift. God, please forgive us from drifting from You. We give You permission to wake us up, all of us. Ephesians 5.14 says, Therefore, He says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Number two, God, please increase our dissatisfaction. We pray that the leadership and all the church members will grow increasingly dissatisfied with their current walk with You and will cry out for more of You. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, You are my God. Early will I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh longs for You in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Father God, number three, reveal our offences. Reveal to us anything that our in our lives that offends, grieves or quenches Your Spirit and we will be quick to repent. Psalms 119 says, I seek you with all of my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. For Lord, increase your presence and glory. As we seek your face, may your presence and glory increase in our church services. Psalm 26, 8 says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And finally, Father God, baptise all of us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew 3.11 says, I indeed baptise you with water and repentance, but He who is coming after me is mightier than I, and He will baptise you with Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Father God, we surrender to You. Father God, would You make prayer a priority in our lives? We want this to be a movement. Lord God, I thank You for the call that You've placed on this body of believers 
to bring revival to our nation that only comes through seeking Your face. And Lord God, I release Your Holy Spirit. I release Your power. Lord, come from behind the curtains and take centre stage. We can't do this by ourselves. Lord, would You consume us with Your presence? Would You give us a thirst to go home and make powerhouses in our own homes? Would You give us a thirst to make a boiler room in our powerhouse and give us back the power in the powerhouse? Lord God, just as this place powered the city once before, so it does for the nation. Lord God, would You use us? Would You use us? We restore the powerhouse to a house of prayer. We repent. Lord God, if anyone here can't speak in tongues, I release tongues. I release that heavenly language so that we can intercede for those, that we can intercede. Lord God, I pray that we will go out and we will pray for miracles, we'll believe for lost ones, we'll believe for loved ones. Lord God, burn in us a holy fire and release this movement because we ask it in the Name of Jesus. Let's stay and worship in this moment. Ask God for dreams and visions. Ask God, what's my part? What's my part? What am I going to have to die to? What am I going to have to surrender? What's my part? Let's take some time and, and just worship God.